Coming live from Indiana is our guest tonight. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through the industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Nathaniel Turner, author and TED speaker, and also a self-described humanity propulsion engineer. He's the author of several books, including the children's book series, The Amazing World of STEM, and his history-making book, Raising Superman. Welcome to the show, Nate. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming on to this show, uh, Nate. You see, you are such a man of a lot of knowledge. You have a bachelor's in accounting, master's in history and theology, and a doctor of jurisprudence combined with a wide range of personal experiences and professions. And, you know, this makes you such a wonderful person, educator, who can think about so many things, especially about how we can give a better life to our children and how the present situation, present education system is that needs a lot of change for the children to benefit fully out of it. But first, uh, uh, Nate wanted to understand what do you mean by humanity propulsion engineer that you call yourself as? <laughs> great, great question. So I, I must tell you that, that my son is an actual engineer. So he, he is an electrical and computer engineer and working on his PhD at, uh, at Carnegie Mellon in uh, electrical and computer engineering. So he would tell you that I am not a, uh, a learned engineer. But what I think of when I think of the word humanity propulsion engineer is simply to take the three words and, and, and explain those. We all know what humanity is, right? It is the, the, the connection or interconnection of human beings and hopefully doing so in a com very compassionate way. Um, propulsion meaning to move forward. And lastly, engineering, of course, is a, a science that uses tools, techniques, and strategies and hopefully do things that improve the planet. I believe you, as well as anyone on this planet, should all be humanity propulsion engineers. To me, it is all our responsibility to lead a planet better than it was when we arrived. And we all should do that by doing things that propel the, the planet forward positively. And so that's what I think of when I, when I use the term humanity propulsion engineer. Right, Nate. Right. So you have written several books and, you know, including the children's book series, The Amazing World of STEM. Uh, what made you spend so much of your time on children's books? Wanted to understand because you have done accounting, history and <laughs> theology and your doctor. Of, so that's uh, with all that background, getting into children's, is there some story behind it? Is there a particular reason you went into children's book? Yeah, I think the the attempt to with the writing of the Amazing World of STEM was was an attempt that my son and I had to share with children the ideals that we think that are important that adults don't seem to pay enough attention to. So we thought maybe we could show the stories through the eyes of through the lens of a child. Perhaps the parents who are reading along with the children would would see the world in a way that we need to start thinking about if we're going to have a, a positive future. Right. Right, Nate. And you talk about, you know, uh, upliftment of children, how to give them the best so that you, they get a real chance to succeed. Uh, 
what makes you think so that uh, they are not getting a good chance that they deserve to succeed especially in a place like usa and obviously there is a lot of data to show it but uh, uh, all over the world every nation has different statistics on this uh, but especially in the case of usa why do you feel so and that is where we'll get our cues from for the world well united states is uh, i don't know that that is i can't speak about other countries as much because i've lived here but united states is interesting in that education here is predicated around zip codes so if you are a child whose family is wealthy and privileged you're more likely to receive a significantly better education than you are if you're a child who grows up in poverty and it makes no sense to me that two people of the same nation would not be afforded the same educational opportunities um, that simply wealth and privilege means that you you get a better quality of education and so for that reason i think we have to do we have to look very differently at how we educate people in this in this country okay okay and how do you propose to do that education is obviously one of the ways we'll come down uh, with for details on that are there other ways that you can think of uh, beyond education that every child uh, give with that will help every child a real chance to succeed in life yeah so i don't know if you, if it if if it, i don't know where where are you where are you located in new delhi new delhi new delhi okay so i don't know how it is in new delhi but when a parent when a when a couple has a child typically in america they take a class called lamas so there's this eight week course or so they take which t- teaches them how to birth a child but there are no there are no no uh, courses there's no teaching there's no instruction there's no coaching about how to raise a child what i would propose that in america is an example that we begin to have courses for parents so that we can help parents with child rearing. American schools love to tell parents that they are their children's first teachers, but no parent is ever prepared to be a teacher. So when we saw for example during the pandemic when schools were closed and parents were then forced to be their children's teachers, most parents spent all their time complaining and lamenting that they had to be their children's teacher because they were not prepared to do that. So what I would propose is that we actually train and coach parents to be exactly what we say that they are, their children's first and primary teachers. Okay. Okay. So now let's come down to the education because that's that's a very very important part and that's a long part where you know children get educated they are with with schools with teachers with and and with friends at that point in time and that is where they learn most of their things. So uh, you believe that the present education system the industrial education complex is past and it's now time to go to micro school nano school there are two mm-hmm. parts to it one is why do you think so and secondly uh, is you call it time to go back to the future uh, it's it's like it reminds <laughs> me of that movie you know yes yes yeah. yeah yeah so why do you call that and micro school nano school what do you mean by them if you can elaborate sure so schools today are like big factories and again in the better communities the larger the schools are the more um 
courses that are offered, the more AP classes that are offered, they're like big factories. They're like Walmarts and, and Amazons. What, what we fail to do is we fail to make sure students can master material. What we're more interested in, and, and again, in America, is making sure students pass some arbitrary state standard. No, sta- no state in the United States has the same, I shouldn't say no, more often than not, states do not share the same academic standards. So a child in New York doesn't have to meet the same standards as a child in Indiana. And a child in Indiana may not meet the same standards of a child in Kentucky. Well, that's, that's to me, absolute lunacy. What, what I'd like to see us do is focus less on grades and grade levels and more on mastery. So that if Nate, little Nate is in math, and he's in second grade math, I want to know that little Nate learned every element of second grade math, not that he just met the standards of a particular state, which may only be 50% of second grade math. Because next year when Nate goes to third grade math, the things that he was supposed to learn in in second grade will then carry over to third grade. And if he only learned 50%, he's not prepared at all for third grade math. And so we says those are some of the reasons why I believe we see our test scores in the United States, specifically around math and science, that are so low. And I think the second piece you asked me about was about micro schools. So the idea to go back to the future is that what we used to have were essentially like one room, one room schoolhouses. And they were like one teacher school school room. So the schools were counted by the number of teachers in the building as opposed to it being a school. So I think that, that w- that's a much better approach to to have have a, a place where there are only there's a smaller number of students who are able to work with a teacher or teachers to be able to master subject matters as opposed to meeting some standards uh, on some arbitrary um, state test. Right, Nate. Uh, now, you see, this is, this is a nice thought. But the fact is today, education is a business. Mm-hmm. It is, and, and along with that, business is education. You can say education business. And you already, many of them do have that noble thought of, you know, teaching children uh, and schools. A lot many schools also offer quality education uh, by taking money uh, because they also provide a lot of facilities. In India also, uh, we see that this debate has been there and it will continue to go, uh, will, be, will be rising as, as we go. Because even in New Delhi, Delhi, we have those government schools and mm. and the private schools. Private okay. schools have their own way of you know charging fees. Government mm-hmm. schools are relatively uh, are not charging any money in, right. in in that sense. But a lot of people want their children to get better education, so they say private education is the best. By and large, education system uh, in in certain areas will be overlapping with the U.S., the way U.S. is, except for, you know, the, the way they teach and the way they teach in India, perhaps in some degree. Why do you think that uh, the present education system does not have that wherewithal to teach children the best way in the present system and rather you have to go back to the micro school, nano school? <laughs> uh, is this possible? to go back, turn back the clock. It is a noble idea, but then where is the infrastructure? Where are the teachers? 
will it be feasible that way uh, earlier there was that was a different time just to want to understand your thoughts and see till what extent is it possible even in india there is a lot of discussion on how best somebody can you know get to educating their children uh, in terms of your even you know a lot of people are talking about homeschooling mm -hmm. um, that is but then you say parents are not equipped all the time to train their children or teach their children i am asking so many several questions so that you can answer <laughs> them all <laughs> okay so the first the first question and probably the the most important question you asked was it possible and I'd say all things are possible for he or she who believes that nothing is impossible. So you and I are having a conversation today via a, um, a device and you are in New Delhi and I am currently in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So we are, you know, I don't know, 8,000 miles or whatever apart from one another. In the 1970s, if someone said you and I could have this conversation, they would have said that's impossible. So it is possible if we make up the, our minds to do it. Every day, billionaires are flying out of the, um, the atmosphere so that they can say that they took a trip to space for millions of dollars. Is that possible? Yes, they figured out how to do it. So the question is, the, the question to me that I would ask anyone is, why don't you want to make it possible? Because all things are possible. Okay. And, and the answer to that for me is that we like to have certain classes of people. We want to have some people who are always the haves and we want to have a community, a system where there are people who are always at the bottom. And then we like to make the system such that on occasion, a few of the people at the bottom rise to the top and we get to brag about how great a, a nation is where people can lift themselves up but pull themselves up by their bootstraps and become something more than anyone ever thought. But no nation should be judged by its outliers. Nations should be judged by the averages. And so if the average of your citizenry is suffering academically, socially, uh, educationally, financially, uh, in, in terms of your, your dietary habits and so forth, then the nation needs to do something different. Right, right. Have you shared your ideas with uh, with others uh, in your in your circle? I have. What is I... Your response? Are are you are you in touch with others who can help uh, do what you are thinking? Effect, you know, try to get these things on the ground. Uh, are you also talking to NGOs? How are you thinking, or or are you just thinking or planning to get give it a start? from somewhere, wherever it is possible. So I, honestly, uh, the, what I was, the, the reason you and I are having a conversation is because my wife and I did something that people thought was sort of um, unusual with our child. And when you look at the outcomes of his life, then people say, well, how do you do that? And ask, can you do that for every child? And when you answer yes, then you also have to figure out how to create an ecosystem or a structure so that other families could do the very same thing. So, yes, the nano community is part of that. And the micro schools are part of that. I've shared those ideas with other people. Some people think, as, as you would imagine, think I'm crazy and which is OK. <laughs> and, and some people think it's a great idea. But 
you know, where do we get the resources to, to make those things happen? And again, that's the part of the reason why we wrote The Amazing World of STEM, so that we can show what it looks like from the perspective of a child. And here's the, the child lives in a nano community and attends a micro school. And all of the kids are mastering uh, science, technology, engineering, and math. And their parents are capable of helping them with their, with their studies. And there are no cars driven in their community that are fossil fuels. And so you start to see these green communities manifesting. Their homes are 3D built. And the kinds of things that we need to be thinking about if we're going to change the socioeconomic standing of people across the world. Okay. Uh, Nick, you have achieved uh, so much in terms of education. As I said, a bachelor's in accounting, master's in history and theology, and doctor of jurisprudence. So it is the outcome and the benefit of this same system. Now, do you think you were uh, not educated properly or was <laughs> it not? Was there something left somewhere or was it a different time that you got educated in and now the time is different and that uh, there, there is a time to take that turn? Just yeah. want to understand you know, uh, how exactly you are, uh, you know, <laughs> this whole, your system works. Though I, I also... I'm tempted to agree with you that, you know, the <laughs> more scholar the batches are, the more attention you can pay to children. That was earlier on. I've also studied in the same system. Mm -hmm. And I'm very happy that a lot of attention was given by our teachers with that in that system. So I think the first question was, um, do I want to dismantle a system that, that appears to have worked for me? Um, I'm not sure the system worked for me. The fact that I, that if you're looking at the outcome, then you missed the process. And so you didn't ask about the process. You just looked at the outcome. You named the degrees that I have, but you didn't understand the road that it took for me to get here. Was the journey easy? Was the journey the way that it should have been? Could the journey have been simpler? Could the journey have been much cheaper, right? You never ask how much debt did you incur for this journey? So I'm an outlier. I'm from a community that is one of the poor communities in the United States. I'm, I'm from a community with one of the worst educational systems in the United States. I'm an outlier. So to, to look at me and say, hey, he succeeded, doesn't do justice to what I said earlier. No nation, no community should ever be judged by its outliers. We should be judged by our averages. The average person who lived, grew up in Gary, Indiana, did not have the opportunity to achieve at the standard that I did. And for that reason, if I'm a man who believes in doing things that are honorable, I can't just tout how good it was for me. I have to say, like, the, 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 the rising tide is supposed to lift all boats, and we didn't lift everybody, and we need to do something different. Right, Nate, right. In fact, I understand it. I understand that no journey is easy, especially, mm -hmm. you know, doing so many, uh, so much of studies. And I also understand about the backdrop that a lot of communities have in the U.S. And I keep on talking to several people also on my podcast. And in fact, I was about to come to that question about <laughs> how exactly, you know, uh, what led you to uh, uh, so much of understanding of different subjects and how was the journey actually? Because I know education is costly. I also understand that it can lead to debt. So please 
if you can tell us about that journey uh, briefly, a, a bit more on the, you can take some more time. But yes, please do share so that the world also gets to hear that it's not just about the degrees. It's also about the journey and all the sweat and blood and the financial hardships that you had to face for acquiring uh, all the all that understanding of different subjects. Yeah. So and when I was, I just started high school, I was not a great student. Uh, my high school guidance counselor told me the best that I could hope to do was join the military. He said, and to put it bluntly, I was not college material. So the fact that I went to college is is really something I have to give praise to people in my community who said to me that I was more than the high school guidance counselor said that I was. So there's school again. There's this institution where the person who was supposed to encourage you to be more told me that I was not worthy of being anymore. It took people on the outside to say that, that I could do more. Um, I went to college uh, to become an accountant. And in part, the reason I chose to become an, an accountant had nothing to do with direction from the school. It was the only subject that I thought I had an interest in because my mother worked in accounts receivable. It's a terrible way to pick a degree to, to do something based upon the occupation that your mother has that you know, know nothing about. But that's what I chose to do. And of course, I paid a considerable amount of money to do to earn that first degree. And the same is the case with going to law school. I just happened to, while I was in law school, decide that I wanted to study something in addition, in addition to going to law school. And so I decided to work on my, my master's in history and theology, which in retrospect, if I had really good guidance counseling to begin with, I probably would have earned a PhD in some social science or, or some humanity as opposed to getting a law degree or majoring in accounting in the first place. Right, Nick. Right. And in fact, uh, I can understand it. And so is that is that so much of a debt that one has to, everybody has to incur that debt if they uh, if they can't pay from their pocket? Or is, there, is it not uh, possible for anybody to get the same education in a government setup? Or is it that you have to go to a private uh, education system? Or do, does anybody, everybody has that choice? You mean in, from high school to college or from college on to, to get from high school, the best the best schools in the United States more often are as the, for example, the U.S. News and World Reports ranks U.S. high schools. By and large, the best high schools are private schools. They are and, and or schools that are in wealthy and privileged communities. So either a the child's parents has to be able to afford the tuition of a private school or b the mother and father have to be able to afford the real estate <laughs> to live in a, in a very upward community. So that's not the mo that's not the bulk of students. Then, then you have in America student schools that college and universities that have what are called, you know, what are endowments. So the schools that have the largest endowments are the schools that have the ability to give the greatest numbers of scholarships and, and, and provide for students to go to school, to go get their degree for free. The, generally, the state schools don't have as many resources, so students are acquiring a large amount of debt to go to college. Um, my son is an example because we understood how to get him prepared so that he could attend and meet the qualifications of schools like Harvard and Yale and so forth. When it came time for him to apply to go to college, 
he met the standard that would allow him to go to school for free. He met the standard so that when he's time for him to get his PhD, he could go and get his PhD for free. But again, he's an outlier. And, and he, he is such because his parents understood how to navigate that. And that's what I'm saying, that all parents should, should have that same opportunity and ability to do that for their children. Right, right. Is Raising Superman, what is this book about? Is it about uh, parenting? Is it about raising your son? What's it all about? So, yeah, really what it's about is it's just a collection of letters that I wrote a child. I started writing my son before he was born. I started writing what my hopes and dreams were for that child. Um, when that child turned two, walking to the mailbox with me one day, he asked me uh, what I was doing. Of course, I was getting mail. He asked where was his mail? When, could, when would he get mail? And he told me he wanted mail. So I started writing him on postcards and greeting cards and eventually turned into writing him letters. It was, it was a cathartic way for me to um, kind of work through my own issues with my father that were unresolved and, you know, ways to write a child and say, if I don't make it to be around to see you grow up, I want you to have these words of hopefully wisdom to hopefully some instruction on how to be better than I am. And that's, that's what they are. Unbeknownst to me, when my son was 16, he decided that he wanted to leave the country and he moved to Brazil to play soccer in Brazil. And while he was there, he reminded me that we should take those letters and share them with other families because he said when I wrote him, he was not only convinced that he could do something, he was convinced that it was supposed to happen. And so we, uh, when he returned about 16 months later, he had a concussion. He, he and I worked together to, to publish those letters and found out that I was only the second father in the history of the world. The first was a gentleman by the name of Lord Chesterfield, who wrote letters over the lifespan of a, of a child's life and published them. Right, right, Nate. I hope that uh, the good mission that you have in mind, that you are working for, it succeeds. Because truly, if you ask me my personal views, I do believe that the classrooms that are becoming bigger and bigger because of the need of money or the greed of money, or they they and and, and at the same time they want to you know give personal attention to the student. That's not happening. Uh, that we can see even in india i can mm -hmm. i can tell you uh, this is a big challenge and people are asking questions about how things can be made be better and how in your words we can go back to the future and more towards <laughs> the micro school or nano school structure yep. with this it's a, on this note it's a wrap on this very special edition of the kj masterclass live thank you so much for joining us nate thank you for having me appreciate you